Blog Talk Radio. This episode of Attention Talk Radio is brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Topper. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Our topic tonight, ADHD, value of understanding your dominant learning modalities. With us in our virtual studio is uh, Brendan Mahan. Uh, we're going to get to the content in a moment. Before we do, we'd like to thank children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder for bringing this program to you. In celebration of that event, we're anxious to give away free digital copies of Attention Magazine. To get yours, just listen to our show. We'll be sharing a secret word a couple times. Write it down. Listen to another show um, and write down the secret word of that show and then just email me the, the two words. That's all you need to do. Email address is attention at attentiontalkradio.com. When we get it, we'll forward it to Chad. We'll get you a PDF copy of the current edition of Attention Magazine and they'll send you a PDF copy of the next edition when it's in print. We have a little tip that we're going to share with you and we'll get into the show. Are you a young adult newly diagnosed with ADHD or who is transitioning to independent adulthood? We know all too well the highs and lows that come with independently managing your ADHD. Chad's Adult to Adult Education and Training Program offers self-paced and on-demand training courses to support you in living and thriving with adult ADHD. To learn more, visit us at chad.org. Thank you so much, Chad, for your continued support. For those that are not aware, Chad is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. We encourage all of our listeners to either donate or become members to support Chad. Financial stability is really important for them to have the resources to have people lobbying uh, on Capitol Hill for the ADHD community and working with different regulatory agencies on wording to make sure that uh, those with ADHD get the accommodations that they need in order to thrive. Again, for more information, to donate or to uh, become a member, go to chadd.org. Okay, so our guest today is Brenda Mahan. And now a little bit about our speaker. Jeff, Brendan is a dynamic ADHD executive function consultant, coach, and speaker. He's a veteran educator and skilled at teaching people how to manage their ADHD. He's an internationally recognized expert, a highly engaging speaker, and the host of the ADHD Essentials podcast. He helps individuals, families, and institutions address the emotional, academic, and lifestyle impact of ADHD. He gets ADHD because he has ADHD. To learn more about Brendan, visit his website at adhdessentials.com. That's ADHDessentials.com. Brandon, welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm, uh, you know, everybody, it's, it's great to do what I do because you get to talk to thought leaders. And um, the genesis of this show is we kind of reconnected over the last conference. I was grateful he invited me to go to kind of do something. And uh, I reflected back years ago, he did a video with Carolyn McGuire on Attention Talk Video talking about learning modalities. And I'm like, this guy gets it. Like, he understands kind of what's going on. He understands the importance of learning modalities and what it's like to understand what your dominant ones are. So today we really want to have a conversation about learning the modalities, why they're so important, and actually talk about like how people talk about them sometimes, 
but they, you're off to fend for yourself. And I know I've got some thoughts and stuff because learning modalities, they're intangible, they're kind of invisible, but I do have some thoughts and some ideas what I do to kind of when I'm working with people, and I know Brandon does the same. So let's start. Just can you give us your perspective on learning modalities? What is it to you? It's kind of how you learn, right? It's, it, and it, I like to think of it as like handedness kind of. Because I, I used to be a teacher, and I used to teach. It's a little outdated now. It's kind of been proven to be not so great. But we used to talk about the broad learning styles as visual learning, auditory listen, learning, and then kinesthetic learning, right? So, like, I learn mm-hmm. by looking, I learn by hearing, or I learn by doing with my hands. Eh, like, sort of, <laughs> as the science has continued. Back when I taught that, that was, like, a big deal, and now people are like, not so much. But even as I taught that, I was more in the direction of where we are now because I would talk to my kids and I'd say, I really want to be careful here. It's not that you can't learn through all of these because you can. This is like handedness, right? Like some of us are right-handed, some of us are left-handed. Some of us are better with our right hand, but that doesn't mean we can't do anything with our left. Mm -hmm. Because I would have students who are like, well, I'm only a visual learner, so you can't teach me by talking to me. Well, I can. (laughs) I sort of have to. (laughs) So I learned early on that I had to make that distinction. And so I want to start there with anything we talk about with regard to learning modalities, even beyond that, that framework that I just shared. Because for all of this stuff, probably some piece of what we're going to talk about is useful for you. And probably some piece of what we're going to talk about is less useful for you. But even the less useful stuff is still useful. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That's the brilliant. See, cool. he, 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 all the disclaimers on the front side. And the other thing, too, I like to say is when we talk about learning modalities, people have a tendency to define them like finite, like, like the visual learning kind of like whatever. To me, that's really kind of infinite to a degree. You can have some of right. the combinations. You, visual could be like, like for me, I know that when I look at a piece of page, number one, it's got to be the right font. So it's got to be visually pleasing to me. But I, I do a lot of bolding and underlining as a part of that stuff and highlighting in order for me to absorb and digest information. Um, is that visual? I, you know, I don't – it could be. Or some other people, or it's more three-dimensional. And so as we get into this, it's really kind of infinite. Still, it's important that we kind of kind of talk our way through this a little bit. And – when I think of learning um, modalities, we all use all of them. We just have some that are a little bit more efficient. Would you agree? Yeah, I do. I totally agree. And and only because I already shared a framework, I think we should probably toss out a few others just to make, make it yeah. clear we're not exclusively discussing like visual, auditory, and kinesthetic because there's other things too, right? Some of us learn really well with metaphors. I teach really well with metaphors. I tend to go there naturally. A lot of us learn stories really effectively. In fact, as humans, that's a big piece of how our history has been translated and passed down Mm -hmm. for millennia, right? History is told through stories, and so are lots of other concepts. Mm -hmm. So that's a a learning modality. Um, And and you and I, before this call, you spoke about top-down and bottom-up learning styles yep. where we're are we starting with the details or are we starting with the broad strokes kind of yep um, absolutely so just generally speaking there's a lot of directions we can head in absolutely and everybody don't want to be overwhelmed but what we want to do is just kind of strip this away talk about it and again talk about like what you do as an individual so i want to we talk about learning about dows i want to stop for just a second 
And I'm going to move something that's near and dear to my heart. If anybody has listened to the show for a period of time, you'll hear me talk about working memory. It's an executive function. I like Dr. Barkley's construct that ADHD is an executive functioning impairment, and thus working memory is impaired. So I want to just talk about that for a second. And to do this, um, I'd like to do something with you, Brandon. Are you game to doing a little attention test real quick? Yes. So while I do this with him, I want everybody out there to do this while you're doing just like do it as if I'm talking to you. And so, Brandon, what I'm going to do is in a second I'm going to say five words really slowly. I'm going to ask you not to write them down, and I'm going to ask you not to repeat them back to me if you feel the urge to. So after I say okay. them, and when you're ready, I'd like you to repeat them back to me in alphabetical order. Does that work? That works. You added ready? a fun wrinkle that messed me up. I'm ready. All right. Teacher, zebra, kangaroo, bumblebee, hippopotamus. Whenever you're ready. All right. Um, alphabetical order. Man. All right. So we got bumblebee. I'm going to suck at this. I already lost one. Uh, kangaroo, teacher, zebra. But I missed one. I lost one. Hippopotamus. But that was perfect. Okay. You, you, you were exactly what I was looking for because I just want everybody – when we're talking about learning modalities, we're talking about learning and digesting information and organizing it to a certain extent. So I'm jumping over here, and what I want to illustrate is we just did this exercise, and Brandon, you didn't learn anything new. You knew what all those words are, and you know what the alphabetical order is. What you had to do was listen to me say those, load them in your mind – Pay attention to them somehow individually and reorder them without forgetting them. Make sense? That's working memory. It's the manipulation of that stuff in your head towards a goal. I repeat them back in alphabetical order. And as I described, working memory is impaired, so thinking inside your head is impaired. And if you have ADHD, understanding that thinking inside your head is impaired as you go into these things is, is a helpful construct because at the end of the day, if you're going to learn, it's really about organizing and digesting that information we just did this exercise for fun. I'll tell you, I've asked people before, like, how they remembered those words. People said, oh, I could see a teacher with a bumblebee flying around the head, a hippopotamus, um, zebra, and kangaroo sitting in the chairs. Um, some people said, I could hear the echo from your voice ringing in my head, which enabled me to kind of hear it. Other people said they saw just a, like – all of those all running in a direction. And oddly enough, one person said they could remember it based off a of smell. Wow. With this little illustration, I'm just trying to open up our, our minds a little bit to say kind of stopping and kind of thinking about how you're thinking and how you're digesting that information is kind of what we're talking about and learning what your dominant learning is. And, again, this is an executive function impairment, which is why if you're going to learn – it really makes a lot of sense to find out what your most efficient way of learning is. So I, after all that, I've done a little bit of talk, and I would like to kind of get your thoughts or anything you'd like to add. Yeah, no, I, I like the wrinkle of, of alphabetical order because I've had this kind of executive function working memory challenge in the past, right? Mm-hmm. And the strategy I've learned, it's not one that I had automatically because previously my strategy would have been just keep saying those words over and over in your head, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Dr. David Nowell, ADHD guy. He's been on your show, in fact, but years ago. Yep. I don't know if he's been recently or not. Um, I went to a workshop with him one day, and he was like, and the strategy you might use is you might tell a story about these words, and then he kind of went on that. And ever since then, I've been like, yeah. So when you shared those words, I was like, okay, so there's a teacher sitting on a zebra, 
she's looking at a hippopotamus, there's a kangaroo there, and there's a bee flying around. And I'm telling this story to create this picture in my head to help me remember it. And then you said alphabetize. And I was like, oh, so there goes the <laughs> teacher sitting on the zebra thing. Like, because now I still have to manipulate them. I can't just, these are the words. I hope I come close to the same order that you gave them in. It's, yep. it's now I have to rearrange them. And that's where my executive function sort of struck down, right? I was like, bumblebees in the beginning, zebras at the yep. end. And it took me too long to realize zebra was at the end. I had already lost hippopotamus by the time I figured that out. So really, I only had to play with those three in the middle, but by then it was, I was where I was. But it's perfect because you illustrated – I do this exercise with all my clients, and about half the time they forget a word or they get the order wrong. And, and really the reason I do this is for them to see what working memory is inside their head. And what was really beautiful about what you did that took it to a whole other level is in the middle of you go, I suck at this. Now, emotional self-regulation is a part of executive functioning. And you'll notice is that you had an emotional reaction. I stuck at this. I mean, I think you probably would like just, I want to get out of this right now, but I had you kind of on the spot. Many of you that are listening probably never even tried this because you didn't really go through the pain. So in that situation, I'm just trying to illustrate thinking inside your head towards a goal. If you have ADHD is difficult and people have emotional reactions to escape, to get out of it. Yep. So a lot of times we'll find somebody, you know, you're sitting, you're trying to do something and you'll be beating yourself up because, you know, I'm, I'm procrastinating or I'm not focused. And often the issue really is, is if you have an emotional reaction because thinking is so difficult. So again, just teeing up the importance yeah. of really starting to think and really kind of try to witness how you digest information. Cause if you can make it in the easiest possible way, a, it'll be less stressful and you won't want to escape so much. And two, it'll be much more efficient. Make sense? Right. And yeah, it does. And if I can, if I can next level it a little bit more, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, because when I say I suck at this, I am not actually doing what you're assuming I'm doing. Right. I, absolutely. There was a time in my life when I would be like, I suck at this. I'm the worst. Oh, I suck so terrible. And it was, I would <laughs> fall apart. Right. And then I'd be like, I don't know, zebra. And that'd be the only word I had. <laughs> what I'm, what I'm doing now, when, and I do this, I actually did this yesterday with, with a coaching group that I'm a part of. I'm being coached in it as opposed to running it. It's a business group. Um, now I accept that. So when I say I suck at this, that's me operating from a place of acceptance, of going, I suck at this. I've already lost a word, and that's okay. It's mm-hmm. not a big deal that I already lost that word. If I can accept that I've already made that mistake, I'm better at moving past it, and that's that emotional regulation that you talked about. So th- this is actually interesting because some people just have an emotional reaction, but you're actually saying it to downregulate your, ma- your emotions and say it's okay to go. Right. So everybody, this, this show, and we're going to start getting into this in a little bit, is that it's t- tricky for – because w- only you can witness what goes on inside of your head. Um, I can't see what's going on inside right. of Brendan's head, and he can't see what's going on inside of mine. All we can do is give you like examples and stuff to look at, and this is a situation where sometimes you have to look at the facts and observe and understand what it's doing for you. And I liked how you brought that up because it appeared to be one thing, and it is a lot for other. but you were actually saying, no, actually, I'm doing that as a means to downregulate my emotions, to accept it to kind of go forward as a means to digest that information, what you have left, as opposed to escaping out of it. That's a great observation. And one of the things we're hoping will help you guys begin to witness here a little bit. Um, yeah. Tell you what, let, let's go to a break so we can get that behind us. I'm going to come back and I want to start kind of getting into this a little bit more. It's kind of talking about what happens in settings and really what do you do about this. So um, before we go to break, our, everybody, our um, secret word tonight is dominant. 
And uh, you got to check out Brandon's website at ADHDessentials.com. And if they go there, they can get all kinds of information with you, and they can get information on classes you've got going, coaching, et cetera, right? It's all in that place? Absolutely. All right. We'll be right back after these messages. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by gigcoaching.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Brandon having a great conversation about learning modalities, um, and the need to really kind of witness and understand your dominant ones, which is not an easy thing to do. We're going to get to that in a second. Um, used to be a teacher, and I, I, I've heard a lot of teachers talk about learning modalities, and they go into the classroom, and they're trying to teach all the different modalities. It's kind of like they're throwing all out there. And from my perspective, it's okay, we're throwing out there, but really the individual's got to figure out what works for them. And I think that kind of – I mean, if you have a teacher in front of 20 people, it's hard for them to spend all the time to isolate – to watch, uh, observe behavior, and mirror that back to other people. So there's a tendency just to toss it out there and let the individual uh, figure it out. Do I have a misconception of that, or, or, or what are your thoughts on that? It, to some degree, that's uh, the major conundrum of teaching, right, is you've got 20 different kids, 25 different kids maybe, and you're hoping that some of what you say sticks, right? Like, mm-hmm. And there's five kids in this class that are eating all of it up and are nailing everything, and they are. some of them are getting bored because they're like, I already figured this out. Why are you telling me again? Yep. And there's another five kids in that class who are like, I just have no idea what's going on, and you can say this 100 times, and I'm never going to figure it out. And the ones, the 10 in the middle are in the middle. They're somewhere in the middle, and, and your various methods of teaching are working because you're hitting different pieces at different times, and some kids are getting stuff at different, different ways. So sort of you're right. Like that's kind of the nature of education. They don't, we don't really filter kids out and say these kids learn best in this way and these kids learn mm-hmm. best in that way and we'll give this teacher group A and this teacher group B. Um, and there's lots of reasons for that. So, yeah, you're not wrong. But, but there's lots of teachers out there who are asking kids these questions, right? I did in my class. I, did a whole, I spent a whole class period on what I, the learning modalities I already talked about, right, visual, auditory, and kinesthetic where they took like a little questionnaire and tried to figure out which one they thought was most true for them. And it was sort of like, which one got the most check marks. And I said to the kids, if you think it's wrong, tell me, like, I don't care. I don't, it doesn't matter to me what your learning style is. I just want to know. Yep. And that gave them some ownership, right? That, mm-hmm. That's why I had to eventually start saying, it's like being right-handed or left-handed. Like you yep. can learn the other ways too. <laughs> um, so, a lot of this is about empowering students to figure out how they learn and what is best for them and, and those sorts of things. And, and, and that's why if a small pivot, a little bit of a tiny rabbit hole, that's why if there's any parents listening out there who have kids with IEPs or 504s, if your kids have never seen their IEP or 504, if they're in middle school or above, you probably want to share that with them. Mm. 
because an IEP and a 504 is talking about how they learn. That's a big piece of the testing that goes on in order to get the IEP or 504, is how does this kid learn? What are they good at? What do they struggle with? What methods are best for them and what strategies and skills do they, do they need to learn? So sharing that information with your kid is important. And, and for parents, you want to know that information too because learning doesn't only happen in school. Learning mm-hmm. is essentially communication. So I, I'm still a teacher. I just don't teach in the classroom anymore. Uh-huh. And, and, and it's just communicating. So your IEP or 504 that is talking about these learning modalities in some capacity is really talking about the best method of communication or methods of communication to use with your kid. Mm-hmm. So, again, I loved having him on the show. You've got some experience. You've dealt with kids. I haven't dealt with much as kids. But I want to kind of start to talk about, like, how you can maybe begin to look for, see self-observation in order to maybe figure some of these things out. And so one of the things I want to share, it's a conceptual thing first that I'd like to explain, and then I want to talk about practically how I do it and how um, those out there listening might be able to, to, to get a sense of this. I learned from my oldest son, who is an industrial engineer, which is about systems and processes. Whenever he's going into an organization and going to take a look, they always map out their, what they currently do. Okay, and I, I, I love people come to me and they say I'm disorganized and I can prove to you that you are and I can, it takes a lot of questioning, but I can usually show that they have some type of system, not always the most efficient, but they actually have a system. I've also learned over the years is that when you are under stress or duress or whatever, usually you'll regress to your more dominant behaviors um, last minute. So one of the things that I do often is when people come to me as a little learning exercise that I'll take that gives me some insights, but I'll say, the night before a test, where were you in college and what were you doing? And they'll say, I'm studying. No, 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 where were you? Uh, I, was, um, I was in the library. Really, where? What, like back in the corner or next to the elevator where people are kind of coming off. And they'll say, I'm in my room. Okay, were you at desk on the floor in the bed or did you helicopter? You spin around that stuff. And they'll go, okay, I was in my around my room helicopter was there music on tv on yeah the tv was always on right then i'd ask him like you know did you say why i moved around so tell me when you when you would read something what'd you do well you know you'd highlight it and rewrite your notes and i would i would just be listening for what they did and i'd be kind of like listening to the pattern of what they did and i would say oh it looks like you know you you've got to be moving a lot you did a lot of writing and rewriting and rewriting like if you'll notice You'll never go back and look at your to-do list. They go, yeah, because well, it's, it's the act of writing it down that kind of helps it put it in your head. Other people might say, hey, you know, I didn't really study that much, but you know, I, 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 I basically did it in groups, and I would ask questions, and you know, they'd be talking out loud. And my point really is, is, is if you take a look at the times, particularly when you're up against the wall, like water going downhill, it's going to take the path of least resistance. Intuitively, you're going, to tr- you're going to kind of migrate towards the way you efficiently learn if you can back up and make some observations. So that's just a little bit of concern. I can get some more specific examples, but I want to pause and get your thoughts on this, Brandon. Does that, does that make sense to you, or, or have you seen that or use it in any way? Yeah, no, I, th- I think you're right. Um, the only exception I would make to that is assuming that path of least resistance is an option, right? Because it might not be. Yeah, what, and and so, I, I'll, I'll give – go ahead. Go ahead. I'll give a personal example, right? Because my – I've learned that my best learning modality – I like to call it the can you start my orange learning modality. We'll use that term. Mm-hmm. Because I'm happy to eat the orange, 
But if that orange, like I have, it's hard for me to start the peel, right? Like I just, I, I bite my fingernails so I don't have the nails to rip the skin open. So I need a tool to help me get that orange started to be ripped. And I like it if someone else does it for me. I don't, don't need to peel the whole orange. Just start that rip and I'll do everything after that. When it comes to learning, for me, that often means a coach. That means if I need to learn a new editing program or if I want to learn Photoshop someday, I am not a person who can sit down at a computer and mess with Photoshop and feel like I've learned something or watch YouTube videos and then try to apply it. My best learning modality would be to sit down with someone who already knows Photoshop and have them walk me through it a little bit for maybe an hour. It might only take Mm -hmm. that. And then after that, I'm happy to sit down and play with Photoshop and I'll feel like I'm learning stuff. But I often need an engraved invitation, I guess, to start learning (laughs) whatever this is. And that's not always an option. So sometimes I have to pick something else. Sometimes I'm using that YouTube video or I'm goofing in Photoshop hoping I'm going to learn something. So I just, with that one single caveat, you're completely right. As long as there's Whatever is going to be the easiest way, probably you're going to default to it as long as there's nothing getting in between you and that method. Okay, so there's, there's two concepts here, and I'm glad you brought this up. So one of them, everybody, is, again, if you study your just existing behavior, like one of the things people tell me, I, I, I only get things done at a deadline. I, I love that. Tell me exactly how you did it before the deadline. But the yep. other piece of this is if you know how you learn. And I can identify with you a little bit. I'm the type of person, I can't, I can't do anything until I get a conceptual understanding of what it is. And somebody's got to give me an overview, and I have to be able to ask questions. Like, what exactly is this? I have to get a context for it. Once I get that, then I can start to understand and add details to it. So I always was get, I got irritated in college when the professor said, you need to read the chapter before you come. I'm like, no, uh-uh. i got to hear you talk about it first because you're going to tell me what the, what the important points are. Then I'm going to go read it afterwards. That's how I digest information. And the reason I think it's important now that we're having this concept is if you know how you learn, what you want to do is you don't want to put yourself in a situation where you're not able to learn in your more dominant way. So like for me, if I'm going to take an online class, I wouldn't take it unless I've got somebody else I can go to and talk to and have those concepts because if not, it's going to make it – I'm going to put myself in the most difficult position. I want to know what I need to put myself in the best position. And if you know this and you can ask the questions, you can set yourself up for success. But at least that's my thought is you try to be proactive with this knowledge. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and, and connected to the, to the professor and, and to my deal with wanting a coach, another piece of this that directly relates to ADHD is if you're reading the chapter ahead of time before you go to class, from your example, that uh-huh. requires – task initiation, right? That requires the ability to start on your own and, and then maintain your focus, which is stuff that people with ADHD struggle with. Yep. But going to class, assuming you get to class, right? Going to class, <laughs> the teacher does all of that task initiation for you Yep. because he's teaching and you're there listening. And now I don't have to initiate this task of learning because the teacher has started it. All I really have to do is sit back and ride the waves. Um, uh. And, and that, that's another component to learning, right? And and yes. productivity. It's not just learning, right? That's I'm a good writer as a as a crafter, like in terms of writing, but the act of writing is still a struggle for me. It's hard for me to sit down and do it. But my podcast, I'm much better at getting content out with a weekly podcast because I and then when I edit it, if I hit play, it just goes and it yep. it starts the task for me. I don't have to get up all of the brain power 
and past the inertia in order to start having these ideas come out that are already there. Oh, my God. This is perfect. I, I'm so glad I had you on this, this program. Everybody, let's go to break real quick. Come back. You said a couple other like, real key things I want to get into. Um, you have to go check out his website, um, ADHDessentials.com. I'm going to spell that, A-D-H-D-E-S-S-E-N-T-I-A-L-S.com. Our secret word tonight is dominant. With that, we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? (laughs) Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay, do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back. Uh, we're here with Brendan. We have a thought leader aboard with us. We're having a great conversation about learning modalities, uh, their importance, and we're breaking this apart. I want to acknowledge that understanding and self-observation is, is, is a bit of a challenge. Sometimes these things are obvious. There was, I was watching a video once said that all the answers to every problem are hidden in plain sight. Um, what they hide behind are expectations, assumptions, and misconceptions. And as coaches, a lot of times we do a lot of trying to remove some of that stuff so people can see the blinding flash, the obvious. Learning to observe um, your dominant modalities is it takes a little bit of self-observation to do that. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. But before we do, before the break, you were talking about, you know, going to class because they initiate it. And I have to tell you, the environment to me really has a lot to do sometimes with a person's ability to, to learn and digest information. Sometimes it's just being the right information when there's resources around. And I'll share the story. Um, during the pandemic, I was coaching somebody and I was explaining to them that, you know, much of procrastination is rooted in ambiguity and they were kind of arguing with me, but they got it one day. They were having to work at home from the pandemic and they were doing something and it was a procedural type thing and they could not recall from their knowledge bank, what that procedure was. They recognized in that moment, normally they would lean over to a coworker and ask him a question, have the answer, the procedure, and be right back to what they were doing within two seconds, as if nothing happened. This particular day, they were at home, they couldn't recall the information, instant messages somebody, got up and went to have a cup of coffee and never went back. Now, that's just a work situation. Now, the procedure probably was – it wasn't tribal information. It's probably out there somewhere, but the person really didn't know where it was. It was too much work to go get it. But I know sometimes in a, in a, in a learning environment, sometimes if you have ADHD and you run across a concept that you're not really clear on, just being somewhere where you could ask somebody a question or two 
so that you don't get derailed, so that you can get back to learning as opposed to hit a roadblock and get up and go. It's a very small thing. You might be with somebody studying for two hours and only ask two little questions, but it can it can be a huge difference in your ability to kind of move forward and self-regulate on that. The other thing, too, is sometimes, you know, Brandon, for me, I know that anytime that I write anything right now, I just dictate a stream of consciousness um, whatever it is, and I get it all out, then I come back and I try to clean it up and or have somebody else help me organize my thoughts because I have what I want out there, but my working memory makes it difficult for me to order all those words like when we did with the five words where you had forgot um, um, uh, hippopotamus. So sometimes it's not just learning but the environment and also understanding how you can manage information, whether it's dictated or tell it the story, et cetera. <clears throat> thoughts on all that? Yeah, I think you're right, right? I think it's critical to, rem- to remember that ADHD plays a role in all of this and that one of the things that ADHD does is it kind of hijacks our executive functions. Sometimes it's something we know what to do when we still were like, oh, wait, I'm not sure. Yep. And when that uncertainty comes, we can get stuck there forever, seemingly, right? <laughs> kind of how it comes across. Yep. Uh-huh. And we just need a little bit of another push, right? Like another engraved invitation maybe. We need that orange restarted. Because because we're just, we've hit uncertainty for whatever reason. And my wife does this with me sometimes. She'll just like, what do you want for dinner? And I've learned, and sometimes I have to remember, that it doesn't matter what I say. She's just stuck. And she needs me to say like, meatballs, or let's order Chinese, or whatever. It, there isn't really a right or wrong answer. It's just a way to kind of move us forward into the next step. And it happens with my kids. It happens with my friends sometimes. There's always that, like, what do we do now? What do you want to do next? Where are we? And it's it, it's just our executive functions or someone else's. My wife doesn't even have ADHD. It's, <laughs> it's just that person's executive functions kind of hiccuping for a moment, yep. and we need a little bit of support to move through it. Awesome, awesome. Um some ideas on, like, observations. Like, one of the things that I've learned, Brandon, is when I'm looking is I'm talking to people. Tell me about a time when you learned something really quick. And I go back and say, well, what was going on in that environment? What, was, what happened? One of the things that is a, a discern is some people say is I have to study all by myself. What I find is some people actually have to talk out loud with somebody to get the concept. That's the key part that's, like, invisible. They spend most of the time – absorbing the information within that construct, but if they don't talk out loud with somebody to get the construct first, then they have some difficulty. So they think they're a solitary learner, but it starts with um, kind of collaborating with some other people. Um, other people I find is that they learn really quickly if they're just, I mean, they're, if they're drawing a diagram while they're talking at the same time. Again, it might seem kind of strange, but if you just watch your behavior and you go, hmm, I learned really quickly. I wonder what was going on and really try to take a look at almost your step-by-step processes. A lot of that can have clues to what makes some sense for you. Yeah, Thoughts? I agree. I, it, I completely agree. I, I, reflection is critical, and it's also something that I don't think anyone does enough, right? Like it, especially people with ADHD because we're just – but I want to just keep moving forward at a frenetic pace. I don't want to stop <laughs> pay attention to what happened before. Then I might have to look at the ways I messed up. Yep. I don't want to do that. And, but often in, looking at, often in looking back at that stuff, that's where we get a lot of mileage. That's where we can get the yep. most information about what's working and what's not working. 
Um, I, so, I do a thing with my clients that, that is sort of the reverse of what you do, or the inverse, I guess is a better way to put well, it. Tell me. I call it a pre I call it a pre-mortem. I don't, I don't call it that. Lots of people do. And it's where if they're about to do something, we talk through why, what that's going to be like, right? And, and we talk through it in one way. The first way is let's pretend that it just was a catastrophic failure. Let's, like I had a good example. Is I had a client who was going to a, a new technical high school, and he was anxious about how the, his freshman year was going to go. And I was like, well, let's pretend that it's the end of the school year and you're freshman year was a catastrophic failure like why do you think that was and he was saying well i probably don't have any friends and all my teachers hate me and da 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 he didn't say anything about grades he everything he gave as an example was about relationships and about struggling to connect with people and get people to sort of be on his side and like him and be his friend and so that gave me a lot of information about what his anxieties were it didn't surprise me because i knew him pretty well by then and i was like that that's a straight line but it gave me more information around where he thought his challenges were, which was useful because some of that stuff I didn't know yet. Mm -hmm. And it also let him feel more comfortable going into freshman year because once we figured out what he thought might go wrong, we could plan around it. We could say, well, what if you do this instead of that? Or what do you think you could do to make sure your teachers don't all hate you? What do you think the odds are that your teachers are all really going to all hate you, every single one of them without exception? So it lets it's a technique that, one, lets us find where our, where we, if we do it for ourselves, might feel anxious or friends or clients. Um, and it also lets us talk back to that voice in our head that is a jerk that is always going, no, you suck, you're terrible, everything's going to go bad, no one likes you. Um, because we can challenge, do you really think every teacher is not going to like you, all of them? Um, I, so it's a, it's a useful tool. I, I love... I love what you're doing. I'm just I'm, – I'm, everybody, I'm saying exactly what he's saying. I'm just saying it in a different way. And that is that, right. that, 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 that voice inside your head that's really emotional. What you're doing is asking the factual questions like, come on, what's the, what's the real chance that all this is going to happen? So in a way, you're actually getting the person to get rid of the emotions, actually think through what's going on so that they actually can move forward and digest the information. Again, it sounds completely different, everybody, but it's really the kind of exact thing. Um, helping, you're basically helping them think and problem solve. Yeah. Makes sense? Um, I got another like thing that I learned. You brought up Dr. David Now earlier, who I, I just I adore him. He's got this thing. How exactly did you do that? You sit down <laughs> and say, how exactly did I do that? Or when people will call me up, I got clients who call me up and like, you know, they're 10 minutes late. Okay, how exactly did you, what was your process of getting here late? It's a very reflective type stuff, and it catches people by surprise, but, you know, it's an incredible question when I get people to ask, how exactly did you arrive away? Well, hmm, and be like, well, I, I, as they think their way through it, well, I, I, didn't, I didn't think to make the phone call till it was time to do it. So then I had to go find my phone. It took, you know, the 10 minutes to kind of get to that point in time, go and do it. So when you were sitting there, what are my modalities? How exactly did I learn that, or how exactly did I not do that? It's just another way to get you to stop and pay attention to the process that you did. Again, you're looking for those times where you learned really quickly, really easily, or you struggled, and stop and ponder and watch what was going on environmentally, because all the clues to what worked for you are in your successes, not necessarily your failures. Again, just another self-observation tool, and again, I love Dr. David now. He's got a ton of this type of stuff. So, um, Got a lot going on here. Any, any other thoughts or insights or, or tips from your perspective to help people kind of begin to witness their, their 
thought and learning process so they know what's most effective for them? I, I think there's something to paying attention to whether you learn best on your own or with other people. Mm-hmm. I think I like to start there, right? And then we can split things down even further from there. But broadly speaking, would you rather learn by reading a book on your own or would you rather learn by talking about that book or by, like, going to a workshop or something? So, so sort of more solo or more social? How's, how's mm-hmm. that? And then once, once you get that perspective, then start narrowing things down to, okay, well, I – I tend to be more social, but I would rather work with a mentor to learn something than work in a group work of peers to try to learn something. You know what I mean? Like, what, what is that, where is that going next? Or if it's more solo learning, do you want to learn more? Do you, would you rather read a book? Would you rather listen to a podcast? Would you rather just sort of struggle through and write about the topic until you figure it out? You can tell I don't like that because I use the word struggle. <laughs> like what's what are your preferred what are your preferred methods and then go from there and and try to frame your learning around how best to come and find what it is you're trying to learn and and by the way for parents out there because that's that's a, one of my lenses for your kids too right like I a 45 year old man just shared the fact that I have a very can you start my orange approach to learning and to getting things done right I need an engraved invitation. It's entirely possible that if your kid is like, but how do I write this sentence? That if you just help them write that sentence, they'll write the rest of the essay. They might just need a little bit of support in the beginning, and then you can back off, and they'll go flying through the remainder of whatever that project is, especially for ADHD people. And so if you're an adult who needs that, your kid might too. And if you're an adult who needs that, and it makes you feel like you're not good enough, let me be the first to tell you that you're good enough and it's totally fine. You're allowed to need help getting started. I have two master's degrees, run my own business, and I'm 45 years old, and I need help getting started. <laughs> I'm moderately successful. I think you can be too. Uh, I, can, I can echo that. I got my master's. I got my MBA in business administration. I'm running my own business. And if, if anybody comes to my office and watch me work, number one, I got a printer. I print like 5,000 pages a month because I'm very visual. When I'm doing presentations, it's on the floor, make a tweak on the computer, print it, get back on the floor. It, but it's just the way that I do it. Um, and and, and it's, it's kind of crazy, but it just works. Which takes me yeah. to, I want to kind of pull this together. The goal of the show was really to talk about the only way that you can really understand how you digest information is self-observation. And you can't wait for other people to do this, but hopefully we've given you some ideas of what to look for or get other coaches to really kind of help you with this. But if you understand what works for you, it's a game changer for two reasons. Number one, you know what works. But also you can prevent yourself from getting into really bad situations. And I've got Every once in a while, Brandon, you're coaching somebody and something comes out of your mouth and you go, holy crap, that's good. About four years ago, I said, you know, it's convenient for society if you do it their way. And it hit me. Yep. That is really good, by the way. For me, and I'll give you an example. For me, I like paper statements coming in the mail because they come in the mail. I see them. I remind me. I I lose them in my my inbox. I got to hit a find a website. I don't know where my password. I mean, it's just it's too much work to go get it. But I like them coming in the mail. 
And I get the, the banks are like, hey, you could go paperless. I mean, what? Paperless. And I'm like, I know that. It's convenient for you, but it's not convenient for me. And they bully me to do it for them in a way that's convenient. The reason I think this is important, a lot of times I've had people where I've coached that we're going to go into a job situation, and before they get the job, we negotiate the learning terms and the learning environment for them to go get started because a lot of times I've had people go in, and they're just in tears because they're having to use their most difficult learning modalities with an executive function impairment, just try to digest the information so that they can do the job in the early stages. And for some of them, that can be tragic. But the idea really is if it's going to be tragic and you know what you're looking for and you can't get it, it might be worth thinking twice for. I've also had people that negotiated that learning environment on the way in, and oh, my God, what a godsend it was. They got the accommodations or set the expectations on the way in, and they thrived as a result of it. So um, time to wrap it all up. Other things and insights to share before we close? I think it's critical that you're pointing out that it requires some self-awareness in order for us to know how we learn best. And, and one of the things that I think that is important to point out here is we don't always know, and that's okay. Right? Yes. Like we can, that's, I mentioned earlier 504 and IEP for a kid. For an adult, uh, you probably don't have one. But <laughs> you have friends, you, maybe you have a spouse, you have coworkers, you have people who have been observing you while you work. And they might know stuff and probably do know stuff about how you work that you don't know. So talk to the people in those categories that you trust that feel safe with this kind of information and these kinds of questions. Ask them and see what kind of information you get. Brilliantly said, everybody. Brilliantly said. That's why you're such a thought leader, and I had to have you on for this particular topic. So with all that, Brandon, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. This has been great. Awesome. Everybody, check his website at ADHDessentials.com. Again, ADHDessentials.com. Our secret word tonight was dominant. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of Attention Talk Radio. Take care.